Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. And what a Monday it is. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin and he is Aaron McIntyre. And of course, Friday, I mean, you want to talk about the Poor Timing Award. I had a long scheduled speaking event in Montana and uh, I spoke at, I was, I keynoted the Reagan dinner out there and uh, the, the chief of staff of the state attorney general was one of the people that uh, kind of showed us around while we were there and uh, took care of us. And I asked him, I, I'm like, Hey, you know, um, what's the mood on the ground here? I mean, what's, what's something you think your audience here definitely needs to hear me say tonight? And he said, I, I was kind of hoping you were just going to, with all the dignitaries there, just kind of burn it down. So I said, okay. That's I, my default setting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I, I was already, and then I was ornery because, of course, this this uh, event gets scheduled. No one knew. I mean, the Supreme Court could have released this Roe opinion 50 days ago. Uh, and then they release it on Friday, of course, when I have to be gone for this speaking engagement. So it's the worst possible timing. Uh, Aaron had a great idea. You know, hey, while you're sitting there waiting for your plane, can you find a, a quiet place and cut a podcast right away on your phone and send it to me and I'll get it put up there. And we did do that. Um, and we'll have a lot of thoughts, of course, about post row here on the show today. But uh, I was in, I was kind of, I was every bit as ticked off as you guys were that we weren't here live on Friday for the same reasons. All right. It's just the timing. That's the way things worked out. And so on top of being told to burn it down, um, I did to the point that the next morning I even said to my wife, do you think that might've gone too far last night? And I think that might be the first time I have ever asked that question of her when she comes to one of these or anybody else. Even I was like, man, I might've left them. Uh, I, some, some people did get up and leave. I found out uh, in the middle of it, I found out later they were uh, members of the uh, staff for uh, Montana Republican Senator Steve Daines. <laughs> so so um, uh, I just want to think though, it was a great time. Beautiful place. I mean, incredible. The drive down the mountain from the airport into the city of Billings. I, I mean, I've just... That's the most breathtaking airport drive I've ever been on in my life. I mean, it's just a beautiful place. Great people. Uh, but we are back here live. And uh, of course, we will have plenty of row coverage today. We have a very special interview next hour you do not want to miss. We thought in honor of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, what better time to interview the fairy godmother of ritualistic child sacrifice and Planned Parenthood herself, Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger will join us on this show next hour. We will interview Margaret Sanger. You do not want to miss that. Coming up the next hour of the show, the miracles of modern technology. You don't want to miss it. 
And our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be here at the bottom of this hour, obviously. Uh, his organization here, the family leader, was vital in having Iowa being one of those first states that pushed back on Roe. And he'll have a lot to say about what transpired at the Supreme Court on Friday. What what really is, and I, I, I almost don't want to say this, man, because I do not want to jinx it. And I also don't want to continue the canard of judicial supremacy. But I'm into calling balls and strikes. You guys know that. I'll tell you what I really think. Maybe right, maybe wrong, but it's what I really think at all times. This is going to turn out to be, now granted, man, the, the, the fulcrums moved f- way too far to the left, okay? But the point remains, this is going to turn out to be the most right-wing Supreme Court session of my lifetime. I mean, I, I don't even know what would be a close second. Uh, and so we'll get into all of that and more with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz. Now, because of the overturning of Roe, the conversations in courtrooms around the country about the issue of life is dramatically going to be different now. I was in a movie a few years ago that um, has won all kinds of independent film awards and pro-life awards. It's called Order of Rights, and it's available right now. And it, I mean, seriously, if you are if, if you are you know, going to be a, a, a pro-life attorney. And you're going to be, you know, looking at uh, taking some of these cases where you are defending the right to life in in district or state courts, because, you know, the other side's not going to give up. I mean, D-Day is considered the greatest amphibious, you know, attack in the history of human civilization. Hitler didn't blow his brains out in a bunker for 10 more months after that. You know, so this is this isn't over. This is a this is a vital blow. The the abortion movement, the ritualistic child sacrifice in this country has been knocked down onto the canvas. But we haven't gotten to the 10 count yet. And so this is going to now be fought in local and state courts. And the movie Order of Rights takes a lot of the arguments, it was years ahead of its time, takes a lot of the arguments that we're going to have now, and you're going to see in state and local courts, and it takes place in a local state court in this film. If you want to get the film right now, um, you can visit orderofrightsmovie.com. That's orderofrightsmovie.com. It's also available for online purchase or rental at Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, and Vimeo. All right, so with all of that now set aside and determined, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Life. On Friday, the Supreme Court did what many thought they'd never live to see and overturned Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision which unleashed an era of 50 years of barbarism against preborn babies and their mothers. The decision was 5-4 to four with Justice Samuel Alito delivering the majority opinion. Justices Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett signed on as well with Chief Justice John Roberts writing a separate opinion. Praise the Lord first because only he could have used Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg to accomplish the biggest blow to the practice of baby killing in a generation. Had Mitch McConnell declined to hold a confirmation hearing or a vote on then-Obama Supreme Court appointee Merrick Garland, and had Trump not stayed true to this promise... Do you want to see the court overturn Roe Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be... That's will happen. And had not Ruth Bader Ginsburg held onto her seat on the highest court to her death, there would not have been enough votes to overturn Roe. That's a level of four-dimensional chess only one being in the universe 
is capable of playing. Immediately on the news of Rose overturning, Missouri became the first state to outright ban baby killing. Other states like South Dakota, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Alabama, and Utah followed, with a handful of states set to ban the practice within a month and another handful expected to ban the practice in coming legislative sessions. The American left responded by provoking and engaging in insurrection. See this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Let it out. Let it out. Now with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. There's no point in saying good morning, because it certainly is not one. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. It's a heartbreaking betrayal of half of the country. Sorry, I'm getting, you know, watching the women there. It's emotional. What's wrong, sir? You like killing babies? You love killing babies? love killing babies. You love- You know, we're used to the Supreme Court granting rights, same-sex marriage, you know, sort of um, reinterpreting things. This is a specific right being taken away. Does not absolve this far-right racist, uh, 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 sexist Supreme Court that made this decision based upon politics. Now we know what happened with the Supreme Court yesterday. And if you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, fuck This is a matter of life and death for our LGBTQ siblings, for the disabled, for low-income women, for women of color, for black women. I have a step-granddaughter who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. This decision and this policy will kill people no matter what what their spin and what uh, their talking points are. Do you feel like Roe v. Wade was constitutional in the first place? don't care about the Constitution, (laughs) to be completely honest. I really don't care. Baby-killing activists handed out the personal addresses of Justice Clarence Thomas. In Los Angeles, baby-killing activists blocked a street and attacked cars. Antifa showed up in D.C. Baby-killing activists attempted to storm the Arizona State Senate building, and these leftist incels just twerked. This woman and her family of five showed up to a protest with a sign that read, Don't force this on anyone. Former Obama speechwriter Ben Rhodes tweets, This is an extreme version of the minority governing the majority that has been the GOP playbook for some time now, and these unelected right-wing judges could be on the court in like 2060 thanks to lifetime appointments. Blue check Mark Carlos Maza tweets, The suffragettes planted bombs, queer people threw bricks. Violence has always been a necessary and important part of social justice. Blue check Mark Andrew Tarantola tweets, Burn down the Supreme Court. Democrat pollster John Corbett called Clarence Thomas the N-word on Twitter. Several large companies have announced in recent days they will pay their female employees to travel out of state if needed to have their babies executed because it's cheaper than maternity leave. Apple, Amazon, Disney, Tesla, Microsoft, and Citibank are among those who have made similar announcements. And on and on it goes. But the bottom line is this. For all the demonic bleeding that's still going on, Friday was a watershed moment in the fight for life. Life won because life always wins. Praise the Lord. 
And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Freedom Project Education. And given some of the opinions that were aired um, brashly, boldly uh, during that montage, a lot of people could use a little Freedom Project Education right now. They have no idea how this thing called the Constitution in America works, how it was intended to work, etc. Um, and that's because they've been completely undone and then redone by government education. They were they were fashioned that way, conditioned this way on purpose. They were from Horace Mann to Thomas Dewey. The plan all along was in order to complete to create a more compliant society. That was the goal. And that's why we transitioned from public education to government education right around the 20th century. You want to undo that in your own children or maybe better yet, prevent it from ever happening. Check out our friends over at Freedom Project Academy or Freedom Project Education. I know more people than ever before are looking at homeschooling options for their kids. I know these people personally. I've fought with them in the trenches against Common Core. I even had my own son enrolled in FPA for a couple of years, so I saw how it works from an educational framework up close and personal. I can't give it a better recommendation than that. If you want to get a free information packet to see if this might be right for your children, Go to freedomforschool.com, F-O-R, the preposition, not the number, freedomforschool.com. Again, that's freedomforschool.com. This is a day I never thought we would see. And the video clip there in that montage of the woman who says, I don't care about the Constitution. That, that's really where we are right now as a society. That's where we are. We have one side that cites the governing document of our social compact and the other side of the, of the argument just doesn't care about that governing document. And that's why we're not a nation anymore. And we're on the brink of becoming something else. The social compact is violated. It is broken. That which provided for the e pluribus unum is in tatters. And that is why when we have an event like we had on Friday, I ain't going to lie. I shed a few tears, man. I I mean, I just could not believe that this actually had happened. It still is surreal to me. I think even they're stunned. I mean, they're unhinged, but that's, you know, a default setting. I actually expected far worse. Um, I, I think everybody is stunned we, we lived with this sort of Damocles over our culture for so long. This shadow, this, this lurking darkness for so long that the sun just, you know, what's that yellow thing in the sky? What's this light? For people our age, Steve, 49 and 50 years old, it defines, it's the bookends of our whole life. And it, more than that, really defines your whole life. Right. Kid born to a 15-year-old mom who finds out, you know, she's pregnant shortly before Roe and now after, right after Roe, has a decision to make and almost made the other decision. And my mom was just in town last week, had a chance to spend a, a lot of time with her and she got caught up with her three grandkids and, you know, 48 years later, she'd, she'd tell you, I'm the best mistake she ever made. But she was scared. Those first few years, man, we were on ADC, we were on welfare, food stamps, She was scared. She didn't know. Now she does. If anything, my unplanned pregnancy compelled her to move beyond her station. She was born in a poor white trash family. 
She went back to school, went back to college. I think she's the first person in our family to get a college degree in her side of the family. One of the first. Became a nurse. Would that have happened if she had not gotten pregnant at 15 and made the decision to keep her child? And I think of how many other children didn't get that chance to live, didn't get that chance to fulfill their God-given potential that I was given. And then how many would-be mothers bought the lie accepted the dark embrace and then the soul wound and the broken heart that they've had ever since. And they just carried that with them the rest of their lives and into the, into the eventual marriages and families they had. And they've never been made whole because of this lurking darkness in our society. And all of a sudden it's just like, here comes the sun, George Harrison. I mean, like out of nowhere, like we, we, that happened. I think everybody's kind of stunned, which is why I want us to take time out here and take a deep breath, celebrate all victories. And I've got a list here of, I think, the top 10 things to be thankful for and thankful to for the overturning of Roe. And I want to begin at number one with what Aaron highlighted in his montage, and that's to thank God. There is only one being in this universe capable of playing 4D chess, as Aaron eloquently put it. All of the various dominoes that had to fall into place. Even the timing. This is happening in an election year and frankly will have almost no impact on the midterm elections whatsoever. Because people are in such economic dire straits that frankly they don't have time, they can't afford the time to even consider this issue for a lot of people that might have even been the most offended by it. If this had happened at another time, maybe that wouldn't have been the case. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, this is what you just saw. This is, this is Romans eight in action. My, my favorite chapter in all the Bible. I think it's the most soaring prose in all the Bible, the peak of Paul's intellectual prowess guided by the Holy spirit. That entire chapter is the single greatest win one for the Gipper life coach, you can do it, <laughs> writings of all time. And particularly verse 28. All things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. What does it look like to have a sovereign God? It looks like this. So thank him first and foremost. Number two, thank Trump. Hey man, if you add... Donald J. Trump overturning Roe, the president that will overturn Roe on your 1987 culture war bingo card. Who's winning the Super Bowl this year? Okay. And the World Series and the Kentucky Derby and everything else. All right. Because you have a, you've got a, you've got a sixth sense that I, that I don't have, brother. And very few people do. But here we are. And I remember the last debate. And he said, I'm going to appoint justices that overturned Roe. Not just the, the typical GOP strict constructionist language, but I'm going to appoint justices that overturned Roe v. Wade. Just said it right out loud. And he did. And in my opinion, this is the greatest accomplishment domestically by a Republican president since at the very least Reagan's turnaround of the nation's morale and the economy in the 80s, and maybe given the moral gravity of this event, 
maybe you go all the way back to Eisenhower and desegregation of the schools post Brown versus Board of Education era. Yeah, and um, uh, there are, there's a theory out there that, that one of the last dominoes that really, really urged Trump or really put him over the edge in his decision to make a serious run for the president was when he was roasted to his face by Barack Obama at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Think so thank about Obama the- for that. <laughs> <laughs> think about think if that's really true. He's not on the list, but we could add an 11 spot if yeah. you want to do that. Yes. Um, you know, we can also think as I was told by people very close to him at the time that the only thing re- that the reason for the first time in his life he ever fully entertained the pro-life position was seeing how radically late term abortion New York Democrats had gotten and just how, revo- how r- repulsed he was by that notion. So maybe thank them, too. We can go down to 12 if you want to do those two things as well. Number three. Um, I, I think we have to thank our founding fathers for the Constitution. It actually still works when we work it. Lo and behold, when we don't spend decades on, and you know what, if you if you plug your nose and wear white after Labor Day and stand on one foot for three hours, then you can kill the baby. Uh, we did those pieces of legislation for decades. Lo and behold, we decided how about we just attack them on the premise with the Constitution as our main weapon. And lo and behold, in just a few years, this house of cards, this canard that we thought was this shibboleth of the dam that was absolutely unbreakable, plunges down into the dirt like Samson did the temple of the fish demon Dagon. The Constitution, it still works when we work it. Number four, thank states like Mississippi who finally after Casey 30 years ago rose up to challenge Roe. Alabama did it. Iowa did it. Mississippi did it. Texas did it. Mississippi, of course, is the case on record. That's their case, the Dobbs case. But a series of states did this so that the court had to take one of them. If just one state had done it, they would have said, well, we're not going to take the case. Or you would have risked that at least. But when multiple states rose up to do it, now the court has to rein in. Now there's a movement. It has, to re- it has to respect the movement. It's not an outlier. So thank those states. Number five, thank the pro-life activists who compelled them to do so after being tired of years of compromise. I think of my buddy Keith, who was one of the people on the ground floor. He texted me over the weekend at Personhood USA. And ultimately, that organization did not turn out to be successful in the way that we had hoped it would be. It turned out to be far more successful than we ever envisioned. The, the movement we put on the ground, starting in places like Georgia and in other states, to demand we start defining what is a person. Right out of the Roe trial. We got that from the Roe trial at the Supreme Court, from the hearing. That was the one place that the baby-killing attorneys acknowledged their case was weak, so why don't we go there? And there was a group of activists that forced the issue, got this out of what our, what our, what our mucky-muck Gaston Mooney, who used to be on the, work on Capitol Hill for Senator Jim DeMint, calls Big Baby, got it out of the vile clutches of the endless fundraising mechanisms and actually confronted the vile clutches of the baby-killers. So you activists who did this, who demanded more. You played a big role in this. And you made a lot of enemies. And you won't be invited back at party functions. And you won't be the banquet speakers anymore. And you never got asked to speak at the March for Life or anything of that nature. I know, I'm one of you. You've been blackmarked by the mainstream pro-life movement. But I'm here to tell you today, as your brother in arms, this doesn't happen. 
unless you answer that call and turn over those money changers and ruffle those feathers. So thank you to all of you. Somewhere, Dan Becker, the former head of Georgia Right to Life, who was also huge in this kind of push in the underground pro-life movement, and others like you, a tip of the cap. Number six, thank Justices Thomas and Alito for their powerful opinions. Their opinions and what they wrote can go far beyond Roe. Thomas even itemized opinions like Obergefell used this to overturn these other things. Just like, you know, the whole thing with Brett Kavanaugh basically wrote an opinion last year uh, against the NCA that basically invited all future attorneys anytime the NCA tries to limit player compensation. Come to my court. Here's how you can here's how you'll beat the NCA. Thomas wrote that about a lot, wrote that opinion about a lot of these canards of fake rights that the courts conjured up for decades. But it was Alito who gave him the launching pad for that with his just wonderfully written and eloquent opinion. Number seven. Thank the conservative activist who stood up to George W. Bush and demanded a justice like Alito instead of Harriet Myers 20 years ago. Thank them. They made a lot of enemies too. But had they not done that, had they not risked being blacklisted by the mainstream conservative movement, who knows, Harriet Myers, Myers might have been your Sandra Day O'Connor. The deciding vote to uphold Roe against Casey, the Reagan appointee. She was the deciding vote to uphold Roe against Casey, against Casey, the Democratic governor at the time who was trying to overturn it. That's how long ago that was. The Reagan appointee judge overturned Roe against the wishes of the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania. So we could have had maybe the next Sandra Day O'Connor. Instead, we got Samuel Alito because the base stood up. See, that's a key point. When you assert your power and authority, when you force these Republicans, when you corner them, when you make them cower as opposed to cover for them, you get your way. We just don't do it enough. Number eight, thank all the justices who voted to overturn Roe, including previous disappointments, Kavanaugh and Barrett, for not folding in the wake of the leak that was meant to intimidate them. Thank them for that. This first year, Brett Kavanaugh has made me regret regret quite a bit the amount of effort people like us spent defending him against that character assassination. But in the last couple of weeks, he has paid off. Number nine, thank yourselves, not Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell didn't give Merrick Garland a hearing because he really cared about finding the next Antonin Scalia. Because he was afraid of you. The only issue left that has most of you slavishly voting for the Republican Party is judicial appointments. In 2016, that was the number two issue in the exit polling behind only the economy was judicial appointments. And Trump won those voters by about 25 points. McConnell knew if they let Barack Obama, of all people, appoint Antonin Scalia's successor in broad daylight, this entire house of cards that he has concocted to grow his power and corner you and take it away from you, all of it blows up in in broad daylight. This isn't conviction. This is the same guy that just voted for them to create a registry last week of crazy people like you for being pro-life, for thinking the election was stolen. He didn't do this for any other reason other than self-defense. He knew. He knew that if they allowed that, 
alongside the emergence of a disruptor like Trump, the entire system that they have fabricated over there called the swamp would all be irradiated instantly. He did this for self-defense. He did this in fear of you. So thank yourselves and make them fear you even more. And then number 10. Finally, and most ironically, thank the unsung hero here, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's right, wherever she is in eternity now, the great heroine of the modern third wave feminist movement, our modern day Margaret Sanger, had she not held on to that Supreme Court seat for so long that she outlived Barack Obama, we would not be here today. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of all people, has become one of the greatest pro-life justices of all time. How do you like that, boomerang? Yes, and we cannot thank her enough. And I, again, that is Romans 8.28. For all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. So maybe we're the ones that need to wear the Ruth Bader Ginsburg shirts now. Maybe we're the ones, maybe we should do our own Ginsburg documentary, hero of the pro-life movement, because she held on to that seat for the bit, till the bitter end. We are now here today. Gentlemen, your thoughts. That last point is summed up really well. I know you shared it as well, but there's this, looks like roughly 30-year-old uh, blonde woman who spoke about, you know, guys, I used to, you know, and a lot of us used to think that abortion was, you know, this gray area, tough choices, things like that, but you kept pushing and pushing, and now, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, now you're basically a cult, and that's epitomized by number 10 there. RBG thought she was the goddess that everybody kept telling her she was. Yes. Instead... God preserved her life just long enough to outlive the Obama presidency and put us in a position in his omniscience and omnipotence for us to be where we are today. You want to be pragmatic? Get on God's side. The most pragmatic thing you can do. The the only undefeated being in the history of this universe. You know, buying or selling a home is one of the more stressful things that uh, you can ever do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right real estate agent. So generally speaking, you know, your home is your biggest investment. That's a lot of responsibility. And that's why you need an agent who can take that seriously. That's why I would recommend that you would find an agent you can trust over at real estate agent, I, realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, they work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, uh, talking to every agent before inviting them to join the network and be officially uh, recommended and referred to listeners and viewers just like you. People with fully vetted track records of success, no part-time or even inexperienced agents uh, are ever recommended. So before you get involved, you want the kind of agent like my guy, Scott, man, that I haven't bought or sold a home with him in 16 years. I still recommend him to people like my own producer, Aaron, who worked with him earlier this year on his uh, first uh, home purchase. So that's the kind of agent you're looking for, and you can find them today at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com.
Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader. It is good to see you again, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Don't know if I could be doing a whole lot better. Uh, had it, a big day on Friday and another big win today. I don't know if you guys have seen it we, yet. That's the, Huge win. The, the school prayer case. You bet. You know, let's let's start there because I I am hesitant to, to, to do this because I've spent more time, the two issues I've spent more time on in my career than any other are the life issue and the canard of judicial supremacy, mm-hmm. right? And the, the truth of the matter is the issue of judicial supremacy, um, other than the Iowa caucuses, is probably what made you and I's careers, if we're being brutally honest. <laughs> exactly. Is, is, is being right on that. Or if, we, if we had not been right on that and won a big fight on that here in our own state that's made history, chances are you and I aren't sitting here today on a national, one of the largest national platforms in America and, talking and we, to each and other. And we said it last week, but that win in 2010, knocking out three justices, right. continues to pay dividends in the state of Iowa, as recently as a week ago. Correct. I mean, it helped build the organizational infrastructure from a grassroots standpoint that we have here today. Um, that notwithstanding, though, that hesitation, I would be remiss if I did not say and I and I say this with the with the disclaimer that this is an acknowledgement that the fulcrum here has been moved too far to the left. Exactly. But the point overall still stands. This is going to be the most right wing Supreme Court session I can ever remember. It, and and we've won a lot of big cases even in recent history. Hobby Lobby is an example. Mm-hmm. Master Cake uh, Shop. But those wins and we talked about them at the time, Bob. They were very narrowly tailored. It, it, our premise was not actually asserted in the majority opinion. You bet. They just said, hey, it's too icky to go after this poor guy, Jack. Stop it. Didn't actually assert the meta premise. Our meta premise is actually being asserted here. It was in the gun case last week. All right. It certainly was in the Roe case. You even had a concurring opinion from uh, from where Alito, in the majority opinion, clearly says that court precedents are eternally binding. Things And you can't base rights off of things that have no basis in the Constitution or tradition. And Thomas even said, why are we dealing with this stuff? Yeah, and then Thomas went further and said, based on and based on what Alito said, that means he even mentions Obergefell <laughs> by name. He like gives you a list of cases you can now bring to the court to challenge previous in, in precedents. In Pride Month, we're doing this. Yes, and, and, and now the prayer case today, these are huge wins, but they're, wins. they're also assertions of our premise, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, well, exactly. And the, the issue at stake is, and I totally agree with you, I do not want to give this much authority to a court. That all the time we're celebrating a court's a court's win when they shouldn't be playing in this at all. So even with uh, you know the Roe v. Wade, you know, fifty years ago, we we terminated lives, sixty-two million lives based off of a court opinion. And now 50 years later, we say it's egregious. 50, 50 years later, 62 million lives have been lost, all on a court opinion. And now we keep celebrating. What's the court going to decide? What's the court going to decide? What's the court going to decide? It's time we, the people, decide. And that's what Thomas was trying to get to. Hmm. Here it is in June. And, you know, I came in here a week ago Monday after the... Uh, the first full weekend of Pride and, you know, watching moms hold their kids' heads on, on Pride routes to f- yep. when the kids are trying to look away and make them look at it. Yep. I mean, it, it, just the stuff that went on the previous week weekend could not have been darker. And now we sit here at the end of this month and we have this momentous ruling. I want to make a strategic su- a suggestion to you publicly that I texted to you over the weekend. 
you need to get together with all your big, big time, big name, uh, you know, conservative leader buddies who have all blacklisted me. And you, you need to get to you need to get together with them yeah. and say, starting next year, June, we're doing counter programming. June is life month. June is life month from now on. And, and, and I mean, yeah. I'm talking even fly rainbows, but like the real one with seven colors. Without, without. We and, just, and we're going to rebrand this thing. Let the heathen rage over here all they want. But over here, we will proclaim the name of the Lord. And we're going to start yeah. doing that every June from now on. We just had that conversation at Team Mean. You saw my tweet over the weekend after your suggestion mm-hmm. about uh, let's make June life month. They got a lot of traction. I think a lot of people are interested in it. Uh, our own vice president and chief counsel Chuck Hurley said the March for Life needs to be moved now. I would agree. It should in, be in June. June yeah. 24. Yeah. June 24, when this decision came down, that's our March for Life. But the thing is, all of June now should be Life Month. And you bet, fly the rainbow flag with all seven colors. The real rainbow. And let's talk about God's covenant with his living creatures, right? So to me, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, we are thrilled Roe v. Wade got overturned. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done yet, but I love the idea about Life Month. So let's go into the work that needs to be done now, because the, you know, I, I made the analogy to D-Day. That's the greatest amphibious assault in human history. Hitler didn't put it, blow his brains out in a bunker for ten months after that. Right. Right. A lot of fighting went on after June 6, 1944, uh, and so this is this isn't. I don't think even a mortal wound yet to the child killing industry, but at the very least they have, they are on the canvas and, and, and the referees counting we haven't gotten to 10 yet, but they're on the canvas, but the rest of this battle is going to be fought in state and local courts, like right here in Iowa. Right. And so this now is, I am curious what happens to the national pro-life groups with this issue. Isn't nationalized that much any longer. And this now goes to hand to hand combat on a political scale, which is what organizations like you do in, in a state by state Basis. And it goes state by state, and hopefully one day you get to the point of critical mass where they say, you know what, uh, abortions are outlawed throughout the country here. And now life is a moral issue, killing life is wrong, which think, well, that's a daha, and celebrating life is right. And that's where we want every state to be. But until then, there's a lot of work to be done. So right here in the state of Iowa, and to go back to your listeners in the state of Iowa, on June 7, we played in six primaries. And the governor played in six primaries, and we went 6-0. and uh, June 17, the Iowa Supreme Court corrected its activist opinion of four years earlier, the first time in history that a court corrected itself on the abortion issue was Iowa on June 17. And then what happens? Roe v. Wade on, on June 24. Mm-hmm. So it's win after win after win after win. The next win, in my opinion, that needs to happen, and this is for all your listeners, even some of those who emailed me after last week's show, we need to win Kansas Value Them Both Amendment. That will put a that will be a dagger into that movement and it gives us advantage here in Iowa for the Protect Life Amendment. But in the meantime, in Iowa, for example, we have a heartbeat law that's on the books. That needs to start being enforced. Let Planned Parenthood take that through court. And now soon you got Roe v. Wade overturned, and you have an Iowa Supreme Court that says there's no fundamental right to abortion, which they based the heart why they voided the heartbeat law, saying you have a foundational right to, a, to an abortion. That needs to be implemented. I would tell Kim Reynolds to call a special session, but she's still going to be dealing with the Iowa House that we dealt with this past session. That's why we had to take six of them out. Mm -hmm. Those six would come back to a special session, and they're not going to sing Kumbaya. 
they're going to have a bitter spirit. Right, because now that they're gone, they don't have to lie to the voters exactly. anymore, basically. Yeah. But what it does do is that the pro-life community and the pro-life legislature and the pro-life governor needs to get on the same page and understand what do we pass and come January 11, 2023. And, and whether, so what you're telling me here is we have a unique dynamic because of those people that just got replaced in a primary and that um, that bitter spirit may cause them to, if, if we call the special session, try to thwart it, essentially. But in general, whether and, and you on the ground in your state and if you're a, if you're a leader in your state, you're going to know the facts on the ground in your state better than we are for Without sitting question. on high. So what's the unique circumstance in your state? Who knows whether it is a special session, right? You know, or whether it is we already have this law in the books in our state. We already had the state Supreme Court say that the fundamental right to an abortion in our state doesn't exist. Then then the governor should clarify at the very least right away. We're going to start enforcing Iowa's heartbeat. But there should be some game plan for Republican officials all in every red state in the country. Right now, they ought to be engaging it or executing it on that momentum right now, whatever that is. And I do know in my communication with Governor Reynolds over the weekend, who's ecstatic, and you even see what through her Twitter feed, ecstatic about the overturn of Roe v. Wade, ecstatic of an Iowa court correcting its activism nature, nature before. I know that her and her attorneys are taking a look at, okay, what's the best way to do this? So to me, and so Iowa's unique, but my guess is your state's unique as well. But what you want to do is get that state to be as, as pro-life as fast as possible and then put in some protection against it. That's why in Iowa, we're still going to go for the Protect Life Amendment. So this is not left up to the whim of a state court. The beauty of this is, uh, Jesus said, you know, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You anchor it with the church, but the founder said the power's in the states. This is where it should be. Get your eyes off D.C., come back to the states. I think this makes a lot of sense. That's a point, before we let you go, I want to hammer that home one more time. Because, uh, you you know, when I was in Montana this weekend, I, I did a private luncheon with members of the legislature, city council, school board. And we got into a lot of nuts and bolts about strategy and things of that nature. And I, one of the points I've made, and then I've made it on the show before, is the ecosystems of the two parties are actually in contrast to what their stated belief system is. On the left, they have this very centralized command, you know, ideology. But on, a, but in, in in terms of the way they they activate politically, their grassroots, their state and local parties are very empowered, and the national party isn't. Mm-hmm. On the right, it's the exact opposite. We talk about local control, subsidiary, and everything else, and yet we've got these few national conservative groups that are like gatekeepers to every issue. Uh, the RNC has a lot more power in Washington than most state Republican parties have. We, if, if we're going to finish off the child-killing industry in America, we're going to finish this race, we've got to reverse that political polarity. Without we, question. We've got to get back into state and local control of our activism and our strategies and not three or four pro-life groups dictate from Washington, D.C. Yeah. what legislation we're going to do and what our talking points are, which just so happen to align with their fundraising yeah. goals. And that's what I was going to say, is that we're looking for real results. It's going to happen at the local level. And I think the court is brilliant in putting it there. I don't believe life is a state issue. I believe life is a moral issue, is a right and wrong issue. But until that time, let's deal with it at the state level, as well as the other issues. I think sort of Alito and Thomas are saying, let's get this stuff out of here as well as it should be. So this is a great opportunity for you to take advantage of your state. A lot of people say, I want revival. If you want revival, 
Let it begin in your state. Real quick, what are the states that you guys are trying to help organize right now along those lines on a local state level? At a local state level, you're looking at- This is the Daniel Initiative, right? Ohio, Minnesota, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Maine, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Florida, Kansas, Arizona, and Texas, and now soon to be Virginia and Delaware. Nice. Great stuff, man. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you, man. It's fun to have momentum for a change, doesn't it? <laughs> We're winning. <laughs> it I'm does. not getting tired of it either. <laughs> no, I'm not tired of it either. All right. Hey, uh, you know what? Great opportunity to uh, fire up the grill and throw some steaks on the grill, a little celebratory meat. Uh, get it from our friends over at Moink right now. They make farm to table and empowering the local farmer great again with what they do at Moink. You know, I think it is something like uh, the biggest pork dealer in the country. 60% of that company is owned by the Shycoms, actually. So if you want to do something about that with local control, local farms, and farm-to-table food, do it with our friends over at Moink right now. And here's what they'll do for you, by the way. Uh, they will throw in free filet mignon. There's a steak for you. They'll throw in free filet mignon in every order for a year. If you sign up today at uh, moinkbox.com slash Steve. That's moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K. Moinkbox.com slash Steve. Free filet mignon and every order that you make with them for a year when you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. All right, coming up here in hour two. Through the model or through the marvels of modern technology, we are going to interview the one and only Margaret Sanger. She will be a guest on this program Next hour, 15-minute interview that you do not want to miss. Gentlemen, before we get their thoughts on the conversation we just had with Bob Vanderplatz. You know, the last two years especially have just felt like survival mode. If you're a conservative, if you're uh, clinging to any, any uh, semblance of, of what it means to be an American and American exceptionalism and and the, the Judeo-Christian values to which this country was was founded. It's just seemed like we've been in survival mode. Now, for the first time, in large part due to what's happening in Florida, some other wins that we've had, uh, and then a large part due to what, what just went down at the Supreme Court on Friday. For the first time in two years, and maybe really for the first time in my adult lifetime, it feels like there's a path forward. It feels like there's a path forward. We've talked about this before. Just hearing this case at the Supreme Court was going to be a win because it was either going to expose the fact that we can't rely on the courts to do anything for us, or if they actually ruled in the best possible way, which I didn't think was possible in overturning Roe v. Wade, now that canard is gone for every single Republican. And the way in which they did it, as you as you uh, pointed out as well, saying, uh, yeah, uh, precedent, what precedent? Guys, there's a path forward now mm-hmm. if we just choose to take it. And that path forward is definitely going to be on a state-by-state, hand-to-hand combat level. That's a huge reason. That's a huge reason for legitimate hope. If it's placed in the right thing. Not in our our politics, but in our courage of conviction based on based on our own faith. That's that's a huge encouragement. I, I'm I'm hopeful, like legitimately hopeful for the first time in probably uh, a long time, because the way that this went down, this is all this is all because of divine providence, in my opinion. Hmm. Amen. 
Oh, absolutely. Keep pushing. Kansas, like Bob said, is really, really important. Drive the demons into the sea, but also uh, send the angels out. You, all your charitable giving, at least a bunch of it, should be directed at pregnancy centers yep. right now. Yep. Help them. They are going to be more important than ever. Amen. When we come back, the woman who, shall we say, inspired much of what we have discussed here on the show so far today and the greatest culture war battle in modern America, Margaret Sanger. We will interview her next on the show. Greetings, back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Of course, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me uh, at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter. Uh, also TikTok and Instagram. And then look for me on Trump's Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. That's where I'm at there. You can look for clips of the show that are free and free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. And for those of you that listen to the show via the podcast, we are so appreciative of you. Uh, you're a big part of our audience. Um, we continue to have the best iTunes rankings that I've ever seen us have. So thank you very much. Please keep those five-star reviews coming if you like the show. If, you're, if you do and you've got a question that you want considered for a future Ask Me Anything, uh, make sure you put your question inside your five-star review and you'll go to the front of the line of our next AMA. We're not doing that this week. I'll tell you why. We have a very special interview for you given this auspicious occasion. I'll tell you more about that here in a moment. But leave us your question for an Ask Me Anything in your five-star review on your podcast platform and it'll go to the front of the line. And thanks to all of you that have left us five-star reviews already. Please hit subscribe and follow as well. This portion of the show brought to you by Home Title Lock. Did you read where this Arizona real estate agent found the home she lived in? It was listed for sale. The problem was she wasn't the one selling her home. She was the victim of what's called home title fraud. That is a devastating crime. That is one of the fastest growing crime waves in the country right now because um, it's incredibly profitable and it's hard to detect. Identity thieves simply create a fake title transfer for your home, refile as the new owner. Then they take out loans against your home or even sell it. Typically, um, a lot of your mortgage lenders and your homeowner's insurance and those sorts of things uh, cannot protect you. But this is what Home Title Lock does. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down and help get it back into your good name. All right. So head over to HomeTitleLock.com. You can read testimonials right there from uh, law enforcement officers, government officials who have seen these cases, investigated them, prosecuted them. If you don't think it's real, read it for yourself. And then register your address to see if you're already a victim and you don't know it. And when you do protect your home, tell them we sent you here at the Steve Day Show to get 30 free days of protection. When you go to HomeTitleLock.com, that is HomeTitleLock.com. Here with us in studio, and um, I don't know if I could say we are uh, honored to have her, uh, but uh, we certainly do appreciate uh, her giving us some time nonetheless. Uh, She is, without question, one of the most controversial figures in recent American history, and also, without question, rightly or wrongly, one of the most influential. Her ideas have really been immortalized now in culture. And the institution, the organization she created, 
known today as Planned Parenthood, is one of the most powerful political operations in these United States of America. Her name is Margaret Sanger, and we want to welcome Margaret to the program. I don't know. Do you want to go by Margaret, Miss Sanger? I, we're probably not friendly enough for me to call you Margie. Uh, but uh, out of respect and deference to you, I'm fine referring to you however you'd like to be referred to tonight. Mrs. Sanger would be fine. Mrs. Sanger would be fine. Thank you, Mr. Dace. Uh, you're welcome. And you can call me Steve. Uh, I'm only 39. Anybody calls me Mr. Dace makes me feel like I'm 60. No offense to you. You're a lot older than that. Um, first and foremost, as someone that is... Well, let's go to the top here, Mrs. Sanger. Are you fine being referred to as both controversial and influential? Do you think that is a fair characterization of you? You know, Mr. Dace, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about those type of labels because I find my work to be much more important than that. And so I see myself more um, as someone who is born as a humanitarian. You see yourself as a humanitarian. Absolutely. Um, I don't like to see people suffer, and I don't like to see cruelty. And as you may know, I am a nurse by training, and so I have seen so much unnecessary suffering. And so I have met many desperate women anxious for help, not wanting to have children again after just having a child or an abortion, and you know, coming to me for something um, to help them with that. And I feel very much as this is an important humanitarian effort to be able to alleviate their suffering. So you view, you view the killing of unborn children um, as a humanitarian effort, or do you not think we're killing children, Mrs. Sanger? You know, most of my work, of course, um, was at the beginning, of course, was birth control. And um, my understanding is that, um, you know, what we really need in this world is voluntary motherhood. And um, if we have birth control, then we will not have abortions. And, um, you know, I have seen where women have been placed in society and family and Mm -hmm. their maternal function has really made them to be brood animals in a masculine world. And so because of her perpetuation of reproduction, she has perpetuated the tyrannies of the earth. I don't know if you understand that, that she is creating these overpopulations, which all the horrors of overpopulation that we know of. And she's laid the foundation for racial unrest, Women have also unknowingly created slums, filling asylums with the insane, and institutions with other defectives. She's repl- defectives. Defectives. Um, People that you know. Define re- that, please. You know, defectives. We call them dysgenic. Um, anyone that uh, we believe that they will not have a full life. They may not. They may have diseases from their parents. They um, may be. They may be immigrants. They may be those people that um, for which they should not continue to have children. You know, one of the things of birth control is so that we can have children from those that are fit, not from the unfit. So I want to make sure I because what I think I just heard you say is so breathtaking. I don't want to over exaggerate it. All right, and, I, and out of deference to you being willing to be open and transparent by being here with us tonight, I want to make sure that you are being, uh, we're, we're taking you in context. You literally believe, you are literally telling our audience here tonight that you don't believe human beings have an inherent worth 
just by regardless of the circumstances of their creation, how they were born, what they're born into or what they're born with. But really their worth is found in their quality of life, whether anybody intended to bring them into life. And if those don't meet a certain those those citizens don't meet a certain standard, it is okay therefore to abort them to kill them is that what i hear you saying that's what makes them defective you're absolutely right um however what i would say is that we are more focused on the front end with birth control to prevent them to even coming into the world knowing full well that that women will commit infanticide or they will commit an abortion so if we can stop at the beginning then we won't have to have those particular all right so so you want to damn the river at its source so to speak but you have no problem after the fact if someone slips one past the goalie so to speak you have no problem therefore with the woman ending that pregnancy right well you know i know some people would call that a sin or murder but you know um it is a a very bad thing but i don't know that i'd go so far as to call it a sin how do we know what is, is there an objective standard mrs sanger that we know that someone is defective according to your definition. How, what is, how do you know what that standard is? How do you know that that standard is accurate? For example, I was born to a 15-year-old mother, and um, she was very poor, white trash probably, people would have considered her at the time, and now I'm one of the youngest nationally syndicated radio hosts in the United States of America. It's, but by your definition, it sounds as if she would have, I, I could have been defective. It would have been okay to abort me and thus not have any of the three children I went on to have. You'd be okay with that? Well, as you know... Um I was a very um, staunch proponent of the eugenics board, and they would have absolutely looked at your situation and determined that um, not only was your mother unfit because she was not having a child in wedlock and she was not capable of taking care of that child, and it would be defective and really a waste on the you know the hard earning um, workers that we have now. So um, it would be a drain on the system, so to speak, that she'd probably be sterilized or maybe even segregated at that point. I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. This is very clinical to you. I don't, I don't sense any emotion. Um, I don't sense a lot of femininity. This seems very clinical to you. I mean, we're, there's no nurturing here. I mean, we're talking about babies. Well, As if we're talking about commodities or stocks. We're talking about human beings here, aren't we? There's, a, there's two aspects to this that I think is important that people understand is that when we talk about voluntary motherhood, I think, and the idea that we are going to be creating a new race, you know, we're, we're looking for the fittest. We're looking for, you know, breeding the thoroughbred, um, the Superman. Um, when you look at that and you have voluntary motherhood, then you have women that are more free to be who they are and to self-actualize and, and to really become more, a better mother. And so if she's able to be freer in her sexuality and in her life and the choices that she makes, then we will absolutely have a better um, child born and we will have a better society. So killing your own children makes you a better mother? For those that are unfit. You use the word eugenics quite a bit. And frankly, most of what I know about eugenics comes from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, So I'm sure you want to have a more serious conversation uh, than that. So can you tell us what eugenics is and, and why it's important to you? Yes, Mr. Dace. 
Eugenics, quite simply, is the belief in the possibility of improving the qualities of the human species, especially by means of discouraging reproduction in those persons who have genetic defects. What would be a genetic defect? Some form of mental or physical disability, blindness, Down syndrome, would those be physical? Would you consider those uh, defects? You know, um, I have a much broader term. I say feebleness. You know, um, it can it can include all those. Absolutely. Are there uh, which you are alleging sounds conspicuously like Darwin's descent of man? Um, yes. There have been times in history where certain people of certain you you mentioned uh, the Overman, uh, the Superman. Uh, yes. You mentioned that last hour or last segment. There have been times in human history where people have alleged because they're of a certain ethnicity or race. They are, therefore, superior to others in a certain race or ethnicity that they may feel is uh, are, is defective. Would you agree with that? Yes. And so, you think the way to become serious about that, even though most studies show the world's actually, with the exception of a couple of areas in the third world, is actually underpopulated. The industrialized world is actually underpopulated, but that's a topic for another day. You think the way in order to conquer these issues is through eugenics. So yes. who has, in your view, Mrs. Sanger, who has the who has the perfect DNA strain? Who should we be recreating uh, more of, and who should we be procreating less of, in your view? Well, it might who be- are the human weeds that H.G. Wells, that you just quoted? Who is, who's he referring to, specifically? You know, the other thing I, I really enjoy about his writing is that he said we really need to cultivate our garden. And I agree with that completely. Um, I would say... You know, we could talk about the Slavs, Latin, Hebrew immigrants, or human weeds, you know, dead weight, basically. Latinos, uh, Jews, you think they're, Blacks, they're dead weight? Jews. You think blacks are dead weight? Menace to the race, absolutely. A menace to the human race? Yes. And, just, just, just pardon me for a second. Yes. Um, because after you leave here, I'll have to clean up this mess. Yes. Because my name's on the show. So with all due respect uh, to you, I just want to reiterate that the views of our guest are simply her views and not the views of those of us here on this radio program. Most disclaimers say not necessarily. I'll just come right out and say not the views of those of us on this radio show. Please finish your point. Go ahead. Well, but I I must say that my views are absolutely held by a, a tremendous number of high-ranking government officials, absolutely, and our foreign policy certainly takes into consideration our views on overpopulation and limited resources. In other words, so that you would say that's the reasoning behind why we export abortion and birth control around the world? That's what we're out to do, get rid of these undesirables human weeds? Well, notice how we tie that to financial aid. I'm I'm... I'm Again, I'm speechless. I'm just, I, I don't know what to say. It just, I mean, you are looking at this like an actuary looks at a, a table of numbers. I mean, this is remorseless when it comes to um, the disregarding of human life. I wouldn't say that because, of course, I am a humanitarian and I know that, in essence, this birth control, for example, is not just uh, an issue for women or this country, but for this world. And yes, it's true that some may die, but it is definitely for the greater good. For the greater good. Who determines what is the greater good? Where, where does that, where do you get your standard for the greater good? Where does it come from? How do you know it's right? Well, I don't know if the listeners understand this, but um, there are those of us in government and in the eugenics movement who have an understanding that we are entrusted with um, 
continuing the race. And we absolutely believe that, for example, that blacks are genetically inferior and we believe that they are basically human weeds. The title of our latest project was The Negro Project, where we are trying to address the problem of the mass of ignorant Negroes that still breed carelessly, disastrously, so that the increase among Negroes is even more than the increase among whites. And it is from that proportion of the population least intelligent, least fit, and least able to rear children properly. So we decided to hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social services backgrounds and with engaging personalities, you understand, because the most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. One of the most influential, controversial voices uh, in this culture. Uh, The ideas that you've heard her express in this hour have been endemic. They've been foundational to the changes we've seen in our culture in the last couple of generations. Mrs. Sanger, in the few minutes we have remaining with you, you've used a term greater good frequently during our conversation tonight. Can you tell us, can you give us a vision for what the greater good looks like to you? What does that look like? Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Dace. When I think of woman and the new race, and I think of birth control and voluntary motherhood, you'll find, I believe, that when motherhood becomes the fruit of a deep yearning, not the result of ignorance or accident, its children will become the foundation of the new race. There will be no killing of babies in the womb by abortion, nor through neglect. Neither will the children die by inches in mills or factories. No man will dare to break a child's life upon the wheel of toil. When the womb becomes fruitful through the desires of an aspiring love, another Newton will come forth to unlock further the secrets of the earth and the stars. There will come a Plato who will be understood, a Socrates who will drink no hemlock, and a Jesus who will not die upon the cross. These and the race that is to be America await upon a motherhood that is to be sacred because it is free. You gave some examples there uh, in and around that uh, flowery and uh, eloquent language. Thank you. Um, Sir Isaac Newton's father, I believe, abandoned him. Uh, Jesus was born to an unwed teenage mother. Um, They would seem to fit your uh, definition of what you described to us earlier tonight as defective. And now suddenly they are the examples of what utopia looks like. I'm, forgive me, Mrs. Singer, I'm confused because it would seem to me the examples you're citing actually reinforce my argument that all life is sacred and we uphold that principle. That's when, um, that's when the best moments in human history actually come forth. I, I believe you're actually an heir there. Just think how, mu- how much better our world would be if we had started with, with better stock. Can you imagine how much better it would be? We wouldn't have the overpopulation. We would not have the... Pardon me. How much world, better the world could be? Yes. Other than our Savior? Yes. Because I believe that... You know, I I know that there are those that will hold fast to, you know, the many different beliefs... Of course. But if you travel the world as much as I have, you'll understand that most of the religions are very similar in the divine. And I believe that we have the divine in us. And um, when we work that divine out with the good that we're doing here and the humanitarian work that we're doing, then we benefit the world. 
Mrs. Sanger, in the time we have here remaining, your legacy, when you started out, and there's so much more we could talk to you, but we're running out of time. So when you started this crusade of yours, did you have any idea it would be as influential as it is today? What do you think of your legacy here in America and really throughout all of Western civilization? Well, when I think about stopping the endless suffering, when I think about how difficult it is for, and actually if we wanted to talk about sin, if one believed in that, I think, you know, the worst sin is actually to bring a child into the world who, you know, is defective or, you know, if you can't take care of them. So I believe that's an incredible sin. But if you look at the legacy, I think that we're building a better world. We are freeing the feminine spirit and we are allowing her to become a better person. And we're having fit children come from fit parents. It's just common sense that we would want to have the best human race going forward. So you view what you have done as humanitarian? Yes, I do, Mr. Dace. Are you proud of what you've done? Are you proud of this legacy? Well, there's always more work that can be done. There's always more women that can be saved from unwanted um, childbearing. Saved from their own children. Saved from a life, save, you know, and I also think of it as saving the children from, you know, perhaps a life of poverty and being unwanted or perhaps diseased. So it is, a, you know, a humanitarian view, yes. Hmm. What about children born to rich, wealthy, educated people? They don't ever suffer at all? Certainly, when we look at um, those children, we understand that they are given the best possible chance at being able to take care of themselves and to become productive members of society. Hmm. Are you misunderstood? No, I don't believe so. No, I think you've been crystal clear here tonight. That's for sure. Uh, Mrs. Sanger, thank you um, for joining us. Thank you. Um, Obviously, it took a tremendous effort to get you to join us. So I'll give you the background on that interview here in just a few minutes. Um, First, though, in the most awkward segue ever, a word about my favorite underwear. Our friends over at Tommy John do make the absolute best underwear on the planet uh it's the only underwear i buy i can't give it a better endorsement other than when they gave me some pair for free to try it out before they signed on to the show i've gone back for every pair of underwear ever since out of my own pocket to buy it that's how good this stuff is if you want to try it today um i mean it's just incredible how much more comfortable it is how much how stretchier it is um it, they give you the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee they've got a whole line of stuff for the ladies as well, but because my name's not Lindsey Graham, I've not tried that yet, so I can't vouch for its success. But on the men's side, um, which Lindsey could probably vouch for too, uh, they've got uh, tremendous products that I wear, including uh, today, every single day. Uh, if you want to give it a shot right now, $30 off your purchase site-wide, $30 plus free shipping, $30 off plus free shipping when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. Again, that's tommyjohn.com slash Steve. So the background on that interview uh, is 
longtime friend of uh, our show and a former state legislator here in Iowa. Uh, her name was Kim Pearson. Her and I got together about 10 years ago now. Uh, f- I used to do a special show for the Sanctity of Life week every January on the program. And this is when we were the nighttime show for the Salem Radio Network. We were 9 to midnight Eastern for the Salem Radio Network. And uh, her and I got together, researched Margaret Sanger's actual writings, the the founder of Planned Parenthood, the most inf- arguably the most influential American period of the 20th century, certainly the most influential woman. That's not even in a de- that's not even debatable. Maybe the most influential woman of the last century in the world. We got together and researched her actual writings. We watched, and you can watch this interview for yourself. She, before she died, she did an interview on, on national television in old black and white with Mike Wallace on TV. Um, but she wrote numerous books. And I would say at least 90%, you know, except for the friendly, casual, you know, asides back and forth between her and I, at least 90% of what you just heard Kim say in this interview she even tried to to recreate her very dose. I guess if you know Kim, she's not docile. Uh, she tried to recreate Margaret's very clinical, docile way of just matter-of-factly communicating some of the most cold-blooded ideology you have ever heard. Just straight up opened her mouth, doctrines of demons kind of stuff comes out. Now you know why her eugenic scientist at her events in the 20s ended up in uh, the Third Reich. That's where they found their home. At least 90% of what you just heard in this interview is documented from Margaret Sanger herself. We scripted this out. It's one of the only things that's ever been scripted on this show in its entire history. This was scripted out. These are actual quotes from Sanger's works, her books, her articles, her radio and television interviews. These are her actual words. And it's all laid bare. It's a matter of the public record. And so we scripted out the questions, the answers, in order to give the audience a true look at who the sage of this age actually is. And I have, this is maybe the fifth or sixth time over the course of my career we have played this interview. Um, Aaron, you say we have played it before on The Blaze, right? I guess I didn't remember that we had. Ironically, right before the... uh COVID stand went down. Did we? Okay. So it's been at least a couple of years then. But I decided in light of what happened with Roe v. Wade on Friday that it was time to kind of reset this. Particularly, I've tried to tell a lot of my peers for years, they just want to kill the kids, guys. You know, we've got Aaron's razor. Here's Todd's razor. If we had, as Todd has pointed out on this show, four years. If we had offered them 72 hours ago. Okay, cool. Only 1.6% of all pregnancies in America every year are ectopic. So we have about 6.5 million pregnancies in America per year. Only 1.6% of them are ectopic ones. And anywhere from 9 to 3%, depending on what statistical model you look at, anywhere from 3 to 9% of abortions in America are done because of rape and incest. The, the rest of them are all elective. Now, we're not in favor of killing any child, but just to see what what you truly believe. Are you pro-choice or are you just pro-killing? We will tell you, fine. 
we will remove the ectopic pregnancy question and we will remove the rape and incest question. Will you take that offer? Everybody that is crying right now about those two things that they probably know nothing about. Everybody that is crying about those two things, if 72 hours ago you had offered this deal, would they have taken it, Todd? No. No. Certain of it. And you would have been a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot for daring to even suggest such a thing. Because this has always been about the fact I just want to feel the power that ye be like God, demonic power. I will be like the most high. What would make me like the most high? Deciding who lives and dies and deciding what life has value on the basis of whether I value it. That's what that meant. woman at the beginning of the show you pointed out who said, I don't care about the constitution. That's exactly That's what, what she meant. wants. Yes. You won't, you won't limit my power. I will ascend. That's what this has been about from the beginning. And so this is the fifth or sixth time we played this on the show. I filled in for a very popular New England talk show host named Howie Carr several years ago during the fill-in. Uh, and I played this interview for his audience because she was a New Englander. I thought they should hear one of their own. And his people got so angry at me. I got like banned from the show, which is why I thought it was funny forever which is why I thought it was funny when we had Fauci and Bargain out last year. <laughs> he was one of the first people to call and, and interview me for that book when we had Fauci and Bargain out. But in light of Roe v. Wade now being overturned and everything now is out in the open, never forget the heart of darkness that is at the heart of this battle that's been waged for these last 50 years. That is some of the most vile, repulsive, disgusting, wretched filth you've probably ever heard in your life. And yet, it was the inspiration and origin of the vast majority of public policies you have lived with your entire life. We'll have more commentary on that when we return. So when I was in uh, Montana last week and we had this, uh, I was there to do a, a keynote for the Reagan dinner there in uh, Yellowstone County, right where they film a lot of that TV show, gorgeous area there in Billings. And we did a, before that, we did a kind of a casual private luncheon with some uh, local lawmakers, activists, et cetera. And the gal who sits down next to me, guess what she starts raving about? Built bars? Built bars. Oh, straight up. Bing. You you were, you just say that sarcastically? Uh, no, yeah, not uh, it's you, as likely as anything, isn't it? <laughs> yes. She says that Todd just threw that out there unironically, but it was true. Yes. Uh she starts raving about built bars and uh she's very involved with fitness and stuff and this is part of her regimen to satisfy her sweet tooth and we were comparing notes in the brand new mud pie flavor. And apparently you can't, it's already sold out now. Some of you were telling me, so you begged me to stop talking about it because you're all ticked off. All right. There's plenty of other great flavors of the greatest protein bar of all time. All of them covered in real chocolate. 
All right, and they are packed with protein and flavor, but not with the carbs, calories, and grams of sugars that you're trying to avoid. And if you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code to check out, they'll give you 15% off. When you go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, Built.com, use the promo code Dace to get 15% off when you go to Built.com. Let's get some of you guys' reaction and discuss, especially hearing this all again in light of the overturn of Roe. I think just cast an entirely new light on the realization of what we permitted to go on in our own country while singing songs like God Bless America for 50 years nearly, for far too long. But hearing the actual words and writings of Margaret Sanger the founder of Planned Parenthood, the most influential woman maybe in the world in the last century, hearing them again and anew in light of what's gone down since the overturning of Roe, I think puts a whole new light on a lot of this. Aaron, I'll start with you. Your thoughts. Just a feeling of of bitter cold sweeps over when you hear the, the calculating the calculating manner in, in which she speaks. And that's because, that's because the devil, for all his rage, for all the rage and lashing out that his useful idiots, that uh, his useful idiots display on a regular basis, the devil is cold and calculating. And that's what we, that's what we heard channeled through that. I said on, uh, I think, Wednesday or Thursday's show, maybe it was Friday's show, every single societal piece of rot gut that we face today, and I mean, like, all of it, especially when it comes to the rainbow jihad, is all rooted, is all rooted in the issue of baby killing. Because when you can't define what a person is, or when you undefine what a person is, Guess what else gets to be redefined and undefined? Literally everything. Literally everything. If the being says, I don't know what a life is, I don't know what I am, you can can manipulate that mind to kingdom come. Now, I don't think... I don't think that that was necessarily the game that Margaret Sanger thought she was playing back then. But that's the game that she was being played. That was the game for which she was being used as a pawn. She just thought she was into some good uh, old-fashioned demonic eugenics. I don't think she thought that she was on the ground floor of undefining reality. Mm. And as it pertains, again, to... They always think they're the good guys. Exactly. And as it pertains to, to what went down on Friday... Uh, this is going to, to to tick some of you off. I'm going to get emails uh, and tweets. Actually, Steve is. That's kind of a cruel joke here. But um, <laughs> this reminds me a little bit. This reminds me a little bit of uh, of kind of the overarching narrative of of the Harry Potter series. Now, stick with me here a little bit. In book number two, in story number two, you'll remember that Harry defeats this giant snake. Steals, uh, steals one of the fangs from the stake, plunges it into this cursed diary. That's cool. Uh, everybody's happy. You don't realize until about four or five books later, 
four books later, I think, that that diary is actually uh, a part, like a literal part, of the main antagonist, Voldemort, of the entire series. And in destroying that diary that many years ago, Harry had actually defeated a part of the main villain of the stories. That kind of feels to me like what all of these just unexplainable, other than just, you know, uh, somebody's actually making this happen. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump. That kind of feels like that diary. Nobody knew in the Harry Potter, in, in, in Harry's story, nobody knew that that diary was part of something bigger. But yet many years later, what, what felt like on Friday was the revelation that, hey, the big bad, he split himself into seven pieces. You have to go find those seven pieces and destroy them. So yeah, it's a big revelation what just happened, but we've still got other horcruxes out there. And it's going to be a long prox- process, but uh, as they say, knowing is half the battle. Now we know what the way forward is, for sure. And I just want to reiterate that should be a great source of hope and inspiration for us as well. And um, as, as was reiterated last segment too, never forget, and, and they won't let you forget either. Hell's not going to go down without a fight. The guy in the, in the montage today, yeah, I bleep and love killing babies. I don't care about the Constitution. Um, Those types of people, they're going to constantly remind you of this evil. I just pray that we ourselves never forget. Hmm. Todd? Well, Steve talks about this a lot. Uh, Growing up, he and I, children of the 80s, Reagan, fall of the Soviet Union, wall comes down, Reagan, the, the greatest generation, uh, while certainly graying, you know, still alive, their stories regularly being told. I mean, there was just, I mean, there was also Vietnam, and, uh, but there was just a sense of, you know, America was absolutely the good guys. But if you recall, this thing called progressivism is basically very end of 19th century, beginning of 20th century. And that's been here all along. The the entire 20th century is full of that clinical tone that is nonetheless diabolical that you heard. It, it, It was everywhere. It was it, 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 before Obama. It was we're the people we've been waiting for. Before Fauci, there was I am the science. It's it, it's been there for a very very long time. Understanding that is really really important going forward. And perhaps in God's long long suffering, it is pro, it is most providential that this comes out now. This decision uh, on Dobbs and not even five years ago, pre-COVID, before all of the tranny madness started. Because now he, you guys got fooled by the clinical nature of things. I love you too much to let that happen again. The fight is not over. 
I'm calling to you, me. I want all of you. And there is an undeniable battle. If you don't know anything, that's there throughout the Bible. He wants your heart. He wants all of it. And he does. He knows, because he's our creator, that does not come on the cheap. And all he sacrificed in terms of his son. But here, now, to see the howling screech of hell right now. After COVID, where COVID could have been a thing that brought everybody together, said, okay, let's... Let's settle down. There's things more important than some of our petty squabbles. It's a, there's a life we're living here. No, 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 no. They're going to reset this. They're going to re-rack it. We are full on. Even the, 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 the emperor knows, you know, there's, there's no more uh, phantom menace. It is I am the Senate. It is existential. It is two men enter, one man leave. Please, please understand that now. You can, you cannot go for this. This win is a call. It's an absolute call to not ultimate victory, but to not make the same mistakes again. If we do, it's really, it's, it's on us then based on what we're seeing. If we see what's going on in the streets, if we see that God came through after 50 years, as Steve said before, it feels surreal. We thought it was impossible in many ways. Here it is. He delivered. Will we? Will his people deliver now? Will we humble ourselves? Will we stop our excuses? Will we do what must be done and what always must be done in the name of faith? Excellent points, both of you. I want to have a closing thought myself right after I tell you about our and remind you about our friends over at uh, Eden Pure Air Purifiers. Um, they, uh, these, uh, I, I try to make sure, I, I don't always get to do it, but I try to make sure I test the products that we talk about on the show. And you can kind of always tell when I do because there's a little extra, you know, bounce in the step because I've got firsthand experience with it. And in this case, man, you know, I've got a, son right now who's going to off-season football conditioning every single morning and he's a teenage boy with more hair and a deeper tone of voice than I have so I mean he's literally just a walking gland factory at this point in time we were all there as boys at that age but even him more so with his current workout regimen so I put that to the test man him and we had our poker gathering last week with Mike who literally is a human toxic waste dump all right I mean the guy's just you know fart incarnate so uh, in both these cases (laughs) It's true, actually. In both these cases, the Eden, now I had to put the I had to put the Eden Pure pair of purifier right next to where Mike sits. All right, I mean it was like a blast furnace of air purification coming Mike's way, but it worked. All right, so I've seen firsthand how these two things can work against some of the stankiest stenches. Right, so paint pets, cigar smoke, whatever it is in your home, give it a shot right now. They are filterless, so you don't have to change the filter all the time with the the proprietary technology that they use. So that saves you money on the back end. Uh, you get up to three units for under two hundred dollars. That's two hundred dollars in savings right now with the code Steve Free. Oh, and shipping is free as well. The code Steve Free when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. They come in a pack of three. All right, so that's 200 bucks for an air purifier. They come in a pack of three. All right, so you'll save 200 bucks for three of them uh, when you go to uh, EdenPureDeals.com and shipping is free as well when you type in the code Steve3. All right, so a final thought here, 
um, because of what both of you said, I think kind of leads me to want to close with this. The evil there that you heard Margaret Sanger communicate in one in one form, in one of its manifestations, it has been dealt a severe body blow. But the evil itself remains. Todd will often tweet, Hail Hydra. What is a Hydra? You cut off a head and another one forms to replace it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how this evil metastasizes. That's how it spreads. And so if we cannot get you to murder your children anymore, Hell says, we'll get you to soul murder them instead. Take them to a drag queen story time hour. Take them to watch Christine Aguilera with a dildo cavort around the stage. Have them lay down on the ground while hairy men twerk in their underwear or panties with their genitals dangling over their faces. Soul murder them. Be the mom in that photo that Aaron had in his montage. Shows up at a at a pro-row rally with her own children and a sign that says, don't make other women have to go through this. How'd you like to be the counseling bill for those kids later on? Can we get you to soul murder your children instead? Can we get you to do that? And if we can't get you to choose an abortion for your kid, how about we risk... Uh, we, we just do a forced abortion called a poisonous jab. That in the same exact moment that we're admitting, we're risking antigenetic sin here by mass injecting an immunization that doesn't immunize, first of all, and it's against a strain of this virus that is extinct and will never return. And therefore we risk diminishing the immune systems of the people we are continuing to inject this into repeatedly. We then turn around right after making that admission, we then turn right around and say, and that's exactly why we're going to recommend you put it in your kids as young as six months old. There's a study out today in nature. That's, that's a leading journal of the spirit of the ages science that admits second shot of Moderna for boys increased and and surprisingly now females risks of myocarditis 40 times 40 times higher risk so if we can't get you to take them to planned parenthood will you when they're in your belly will you take your children to Pfizer and will fill their bellies and bloodstreams with an abortion ourselves The evil never sleeps. That's why the saints have to persevere to the end. We have to understand the times and what to do about them. The reason that Senator Dane's staff got up and walked out during my speech in Montana Saturday night was because I said I agreed with everything that the senator said in his video. But none of it, frankly, is relevant to the level of threat we have today. It's just completely, entirely insufficient. Talking points from a bygone era. And soon, 
on the path we're on. Planned Parenthood will be a talking point from a bygone era too. Rejoice when that happens, but understand that the Hydra will form a new head. It'll be called Pfizer, which we'll discuss in the overtime here for Blaze TV subscribers. It'll be called Pride Month. It'll just be rebranded. The evil remains. So then, so does the good need to do that as well. That'll do it for today's show. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.